Welcome back to Conversations with Leaders, Ask the Strategist edition. This week, Brian, Ashit, and I had an interesting conversation about the power of constraints, failure, and working backwards from the customer. Jake, one thing you said last week that kind of struck with me, you talked about sort of this top-down target, right? That you you had this 12 months to get out of your data center and move away, right? Uh, I think that power of constraints, and I think you've written about this, right? Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I feel that setting those targets and constraints, and especially top-down targets, actually helps eliminate a lot of noise and a lot of distraction, and it really bubbles off issues that truly matter uh, versus things that uh, sort of, you know, is a resistance that you can overcome fairly easily. Sure, yeah. So, um, by the way, we did not do it in 12 months. It took us 17 months. But, you know, it was still considered a success. And so kind of the lesson learned there is that uh, if you aim high, uh, you can miss the mark and still be very successful. And that's a, that's a pattern I like to use and um, one that I, I advocate for. Um, definitely for constraints as well in general. Um, you know, what, what constraints do for you, and in our case, we had time constraint, you know, 12 months. We had, uh, you know, financial constraint, basically flat budget. Um, and we had, uh, you know, a constraint in terms of what our current capabilities were. Right. And so we had to overcome all of those. And what it does is it makes you focus. It makes you focus on the things that actually move the needle uh, without constraints. And I've seen cloud migration projects without constraints. They're not not my favorite um, because what happens is uh, you, you have uh, too wide of a scope, you know, unlimited scope in some some cases. And so um, wide scope is kind of the opposite of, of focus. Uh, so because you're not focusing on those things that are actually going to get you closer to your goal, then you end up doing too many things and you end up being mediocre at a lot of things instead of very good at what you're trying to accomplish. And so one of the examples of, of, of how that, you know, um, worked for us was, you know, this was when we're moving things very quickly and these are legacy applications that we have tons of technical debt. And, uh, you know, each time we, we, we addressed one of them, um, we saw all these things that needed to be improved. And one thing about engineers is like they see something that needs to be improved, they generally go for it, right? If they're good engineers. But the problem was improving these systems wasn't our goal. Our goal was to move them to cloud. And I knew that once we moved them to AWS, it was going to be so much easier to make those improvements. If we try to do it before or during, then we're limited by the tools that we have in our data center and with the hardware. And that's just, uh, you know, if those weren't uh, barriers, then we would have done it already. So getting it to AWS was the goal. And once in AWS, we were able to make huge improvements, which is one of the reasons why we were able to optimize for cost and security, uh, compliance and reliability once in AWS. Those things continue to get better over time. So we improved our resiliency of our systems while we reduced the cost at the same time while we're growing the business. And that's because we had those increased capabilities. So it's about um, creating constraints to narrow your focus to stay on target. Yeah, I think I, I see a lot of customers um, going with a, cl a cloud first approach. And well, I think it, it sounds good and it sounds like you're committed. Um, what I've seen is that because there isn't the focus, because there aren't any constraints and there's nothing pushing um, that that forward and, and uh, 
rallying the organization around around it and, and timing of everything is off. You're not, you know, it's hard to go and put training plans in place. It it ends up taking forever to get meaningful experience and and progress. Um, not to mention you're um you know you're not taking any cost out. So again, you're not incentivizing anyone really within the organization to to move this forward. So I think I, I agree with you. I think the um, the constraints is really important, and um, you know also that that top down buy in, right? I think you have to go through the entire organization to get buy in, right? Um, our colleague Mark Schwartz writes about uh, the frozen middle, um, and 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 like you, Jake, I had. I had done a lot of work with our senior leadership. I had done a lot of work within product and engineering, our owners. I didn't invest as much time as I should have at the, the right time with like our GMs that ran businesses within the line of business. And so we lost some time there. And I think having that top-down buy-in is a, is a really great starting point. Having that commitment and constraints is, is really critical so that the rest kind of will follow in an aggressive way. Yeah, I think one thing that, uh, uh, Brian, that reminded me of uh, when dealing with disruption, right, one of the things that um, I've seen work uh, in getting that buy-in sometimes, uh, and we talk about fear of unknown, right? But as humans, we also have fear of losing out, right? So the more you can tap into that, which is this inherent sort of, I don't want to be left behind, right? Uh, And appeal to sort of that sense of possibility, um, I think that sort of helps really move the team and organization very quickly uh, to come through. Yeah, you know, in a lot of ways, it's like, um, you know, uh, with, with children, you know, they uh, trip and fall, and then they look at their, their parents to see whether they should cry or not. You know, if you, fi- if you freak out, then they start crying. But if you just say, hey, let's go, you know, play with something else, then they're fine. They just laugh it off, right? I think that's kind of an analogy that works here. You know, everyone's looking to the leader to see, you know, when there's disruption, like, is this, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Should we be panicking or should we be celebrating? Right. And so, and it, it could go either way very easily. Almost every situation can go either way. And so part of being a good leader is, is being, um, it's, it's being strong in those times and being positive in those times. Um, not in a false way, but like actually really finding the silver lining, really finding the opportunity. And then before anyone has a chance to feel bad about it or to, or to um, freak out about it, to, uh, to get everyone rallied towards taking advantage of those opportunities that just uh, materialized. Yeah, but I, I totally agree. And, and Ishid, I think your point about fear of the unknown is, um, is a great one, right? With, with this level of change that we're talking about, um, you know, whether you're being digitally disrupted or, or working to adopt, you know, modern practices, modern technology, lots of change. Um, I think it, it becomes, um, really important to get your hands dirty quickly. And, you know, I know Jake, you did, you did just in time training for, for your journey, which I think is also really important, right. To be able to apply it quickly, but the longer your team goes without um, understanding what it is, uh, you know, I think I think the the longer it's going to take. I had a I had a senior um, technologist, really smart guy, um, you know, and, and owned a complex system. And um, I 
I really invested a lot in, in AWS reInvent um, with my teams. I brought, I think, 150 people um, in 2018, um, just, you know, and a uh, hundred the year before or whatever, but because it was a way to allow people to get hands-on, to, to be a part of the buzz and to see, see all the, you know, technologies and opportunities and what other people were doing. And, and, you know, so I, I, I was, we were grabbing a beer after, you know, some of the sessions and I said, I was like, do you, did you get this? Did you understand why we were moving to cloud um, before you came here? And he's like, no, we had just moved to data center. I had so many more important business, you know, problems to be solving. Didn't understand it at all. Um, But he's like, light bulb, light bulb went off for him. He went back, you know, this was what, end of December, first week of, or end of, end of November, first, first week of December. Um, they spent December planning, he and his, you know, tech lead counterpart, and they migrated uh, their uh, entire platform in, um, I think it was three months, nine months ahead of schedule, um, automated everything, closed the second data center, push of a button, right? But um, it's it's a good example of, like, the longer you go, fearing the unknown and not not appreciating the significance of the change i think um the the alternative right is you you move a lot faster when you get when you get folks to have that light bulb moment and to understand why the change is so necessary and so valuable yeah i think i think for uh uh for me brian it's it's really and what you talked about is learn by doing right uh you can't learn to swim by reading a book you gotta and, and getting your hands dirty, right? You got to jump in at some point. Um, and I think that's the that's the piece with disruption is that you, you have to be hands-on in terms of trying, experimenting, uh, and and really not uh, over-baking, right? Um, if you continue to uh, be paralyzed by uh, planning and analysis, um, somebody will come in and disrupt your business. Uh, so it's really how quickly you do it before somebody else does it to you. Yeah, and I think you know um, when talking to customers and and um, when we talk about digital disruption, I think uh, one of the things that is often the challenge is how to get started, right? And and it seems like there's a tendency to do you know what the opposite of what you just said, like, which is the long you know invest in the long planning and 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 think that everything needs to be figured out and lined up and, and, and knocked down, you know, sequentially. And, um, and there's some aspect to that, right there. It is important to put a plan in place to put constraints in place, but, um, you know, I, I looking at a lot of the blogs we've written it, the con, a consistent theme is just get started, right? You have to, don't worry about where to start, um, but start and then, and then seek help, um, to strengthen, you know, your, yourself, your teams where you have gaps. Yep. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's definitely a theme here. Right. Um, and I want to ask you guys kind of what, um, customers are, are asking, uh, during, during times of disruption and kind of what their common fears are, um, and how, how we're, um, how we're addressing those. Um, you know, one thing I've noticed is that this planning that, that you guys are talking about, um, you know, is, it's that planning, that extended planning that gives you time to be fearful and to worry about this disruptive event. And the customers that are, aren't doing that, the customers that are having a bias for action and they're, they're, they're trying things and they're doing things, they don't have time to be worried. 
They don't really have fear. Maybe they should, you know, but instead they're, they're, they're taking advantage of the opportunities that present themselves and they're creating new businesses and they're, they're changing the way their existing businesses work to be more efficient. Yeah, I think when it comes to uh, sort of disruption, uh, one of the things that we um, our team is often asked around is uh, how do you change the operating model uh, and the structures, right? Because to Brian's point earlier, the reason, uh, and we all have sort of gone through in our personal experience as leaders through this this journey, right, where uh, you're comfortable with planning because uh, we started with these big bets, right, where you would spend six months analyzing, writing business cases, getting a funding approved uh, to start something 12 to 18 months down the, lo- down the road, right? Um, in fact, uh, uh, I, was, I was just thinking about uh, this period. And in my previous job, this was sort of uh, the mad budgeting rush period, right? <laughs> uh, don't miss those days. But uh, uh, you would be, we would, we would have been planning for something that we would start executing 18 months from now, right? And, and I think that shift, uh, so a lot of customers are asking, how do you change uh, from that to being what we just talked about, being agile, being incremental, uh, doing stage investments rather than committing these dollars upfront? And then what kind of structure, uh, especially in terms of the teams and operating model that would go along with that? Um, so I think that's one question that I get often. Uh, I get asked often. Um, I think the second part that um, that I hear about a lot is uh, is around what's the role of data uh, and AI and machine learning in dealing with this. Um, I think there is uh, a realization that we see more and more uh, that the conversation, especially around data, is has moved from uh, how and what to a uh, from why to how and what, right? Uh, so it's no longer about why should I be data-driven? It's more about how do I do it and, and what should I be doing? Um, and I think when it comes to AI and machine learning, it's about how do I take the successful uh, win that I just got in this area of customer experience or a line of business and scale it across my enterprise. Um, so I think they, those are some really interesting conversations that we've been having. Yeah, so I... I- I would I would echo that. Um, one of the other areas that I think is is interesting um, that we talk a lot about. Uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, how to start, where to start. I think that's a a, a big topic. Um, but also, this consideration of uh, organizational structure, and um, you know, I think if you're making these sorts of changes, you know, whether it's from a data perspective or um, you know, trying to create ownership within the organization or autonomy, um, your organizational structure plays a huge part of that. And, um, you know, looking back at, at our, uh, data journey at, at Cox Automotive, I think the, the boundaries that we had set up and, and, um, how things were, you know, our incentive models and, and, um, priorities, they were conflicting. And it made it very hard to bring data together and do something meaningful when the the owner of the data didn't um, didn't necessarily get any value from from doing the work to share the data. So um, I do think organizational structure and that that again that um, alignment of leadership around 
you know, what's important for the for the business? What are we? What do our customers need? Working backwards from that and having it be aligned is really important. Um, but just to kind of shift gears a little bit, I, one of the things that that you triggered in my mind was um, our leadership principles at at Amazon, and um, I think it's super interesting that they are intentionally contradictory. Um, you know, and I think I think one, two of them that are is a good example, um, especially in terms of digital disruption, is um, bias for action, and insist on the highest standards, right? And and so um, we have to balance those things, and um, because they're contradictory, what it does is it forces us to do both, um, but but find unique ways. Um, to do that. And so, you know, you may, you may get around those two by grabbing the third leadership principle of invent and simplify. And so you're, um, you're going to find a new way to get this thing done, but it's going to be, you know, simple to do so and, and, and still have high standards. So I think, you know, as you're, you're going through and, and as we said, experimenting, I think, um, you do have to have that balance of different, um, you know these these different things that are forcing you to find a path through it, and I think that um, that foundation is certainly helps helps Amazon, um, you know, in, in invent and and maneuver in, in lots of different ways. But I think our our customers are are working to find their system of constraints, um, and and I so I think I think I like going to those leadership principles to to kind of talk about how, how we do that um, and help our customers think about what that could mean for them and, and how they move through this in a way where they, they um, find a different way of going about it than perhaps uh, they might have in the past or, or maybe perhaps then what was the obvious path forward. Uh, that's a great point. Um, you know, we usually hear about the, the leadership principles um, that contradict each other. Uh, you know, that the trick is to find the right situation to use each, but considering them both for the same situation as a constraint to kind of focus on the outcome and the most efficient way to get to the outcome, because you can't do both. If you're inefficient, it's going to be very hard to have a bias for action with high standards if you're inefficient. So that's like a forcing function for efficiency. I think that's a great way to think about it. I think it's also, uh, it also comes down to uh, judgment, right? Um, and and I think that's such a good part of leadership where uh, you have to be comfortable dealing with ambiguity and uncertainty, especially uh, in the context of what we are talking about, which is disruption, that um, it's really being comfortable in those situations where you do have conflicting needs, requirements, or priorities, and how do you navigate that and make that judgment uh, and balance it based on situation and what your customer yeah. needs. If you find yourself trapped in a box, you have to invent a way out of it, right? Like if you uh, if your if your job is traveling to customers and meeting with them, but you can't travel, you have to invent a new way of doing that to achieving the outcome. Your job is not to travel; your job is to help customers, right? And if you realize that, you'll find another way to do it, perhaps a better way. I find like you know when you have those constraints in place, if you're if you start with the customer, right? So your highest standards become about the customer and what is the customer experience I'm creating, right? I was, I was creating a, a, a mechanism 
um, you know, for our team. And, and that was kind of the, the place where I had the high standards was, okay, well, what's the experience of the team? What's the experience of the customer? And then how do I most simply deliver, you know, the experience I want without overthinking it, without putting in too much work before I can learn. Right. And I think that is, um, in general, whatever, what we need to do here, right. When we're talking about digital disruption and, and, and bringing in these new practices and, and techniques, it's, um, it's finding that the fastest path to learning while, while maintaining a great customer experience, right. And that customer can be internal or external. When we say customers, it's, it's, it's the people you're serving. Um, right. It's not, it's not just our external customer. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, to Brian, your point, it's really about learning. It's it's getting that feedback as early and as soon as and as often as possible, right? Um, one of the things that I like to talk about is uh, people talk about customer behaviors changing, but the expectations start to change way before behaviors do, right? Um, and so if you put something early in the hands of customer and and really keep that channel going, I think um, dealing with disruption becomes that much more easier because you're picking up those on those early signals and responding better to what your customers are feeling uh, and telling you. So, if we're to summarize this, what what you know, let's 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 give a one answer kind of that best describes what we're what we're what we're advising people to do here, right? So, you know, you're 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 a leader in a, in an enterprise and, uh, you're facing uh, a disruptive event. What are, what are the patterns of success, um, that we're seeing? Um, I think, I think it's, uh, because I just don't want to oversimplify this. I think the, um, the, the answer I would give is get started, uh, be adaptable and nimble, uh, create a diverse team and then experiment respond and don't get don't get too attached to a particular way of doing things yeah what i'd add to that um would be to to dive deep right to make sure that you're not uh going through the motions or you know doing what you believe is the right thing um like rolling out agile adopting cloud um building a digital product um and instead understanding deeply understanding what that new behaviors look you know should look like and feel like and and driving those behaviors throughout the organization um and and really making sure that you come out of um or or come through this journey having essentially rebuilt right how the how the business operates how people think and 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 leverage tools and and um and not just, well, now we're agile or, you know, now we're in the cloud. Um, so I think I, I, that, and that's, I don't, I don't think I'm articulating it well, but I think that's one of the things that I see from our customers um, most often, which is um, they're checking a lot of the boxes. They're doing a lot of the things that they believe they should be doing, but they haven't taken it deep enough in the organization. They're, they haven't changed the way they've, they're behaving. The executive team hasn't changed, you know, the way the business is, is run or or how they're behaving. And and that matters a lot. 
And um, I think if you're if you're not making the change yourself, and then you're not you're not checking and 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 pushing that down throughout the rest of the organization, I think you'll yeah. find that it's not going to stick. So what I'll add is um, my my how I'd summarize is see this as the opportunity. See this for the opportunity it is. Uh, disruption is an opportunity. Um, I take kind of a um, kind of an aggressive viewpoint on this, but I think that I get excited uh, with disruption. I, I, um, because nothing meaningfully, in my opinion, uh, gets new, gets invented or created when there's the status quo. There's just nothing driving it. So if you look at some of the greatest um, things that have happened, uh, you know, in the world throughout history, you know, a surprisingly large number of them happened in a time of crisis or disruption, um, you know, from external events that were forced on people, new constraints that were placed on people. And so, you know, look at it and, and, and real, see it for what it is. It's an opportunity to, to, to do things that you weren't able to do before. And also, um, groups of people, teams, and organizations uh, tend to come together when there's change and when there's uh, disruption, more so than when it's just another day. And so seize that opportunity to get your teams and your organization kind of rallied behind a cause um, so that they could do great things and achieve greatness. And these are the times when greatness happens. On the next episode, we'll talk about the top three things we're observing and hearing from fellow leaders. Remember to submit your questions directly on the Enterprise Strategy blog, and we'll do our best to answer them in future episodes. Just search for AWS Enterprise Strategy on web or mobile. See you next time.